What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Matt Lombardo Show, part of the Stacking the Box podcast. Please welcome your host, Matt Lombardo. What's going on, everybody? Welcome on into the Matt Lombardo Show right here inside Fansided Stacking the Box podcast feed. Of course, I am Matt Lombardo, Fansided's national NFL insider. Great to have you here. Awesome, action-packed show on tap for you, as always. A little bit later on, we'll check in with UConn Huskies starting left tackle and NFL draft hopeful Brian Vandemark, get his thoughts on his NFL draft prep, his experience from the Shrine game, and a whole lot more. And, of course, the NFL offseason is already in full swing. The NFL Combine gets underway next week in Indianapolis. And before you know it, it'll be here right around the corner, March 16th. Free agency gets underway, so a lot of news, a lot of rumors, a lot of rumblings are going to be coming at you fast and furious, especially out of Indianapolis next week when the NFL's executives, scouts, coaches, agents from every corner of the country converge on one five block radius as the NFL offseason kicks off in earnest so we're going to talk about all of that what I'm hearing and a whole lot more but before we do before we get into it as always just a little bit of housekeeping for you if you enjoy my work if you love the show if you enjoy the insight and the guests Please go ahead and subscribe in the Apple Podcast Store, SoundCloud, Spreaker. Check us out on YouTube. It's fan-sided Stacking the Box NFL Podcast. You get two great podcasts for the price of none. You get Mark Carmen and Matt Verderam every Tuesday, and the Matt Lombardo Show hits your podcast platform every Friday. So subscribe to Stacking the Box. You get two great NFL podcasts every week. And if you really enjoy my show, if you're a fan of my work, I would love it if you would follow me on Twitter at Matt Lombardo NFL. And more importantly, for the sake of the show leave a five-star review for stacking the box mention the matt lombardo show let me know what you like what you don't like what could be better about the show and maybe a guest or two that you'd love to hear from and i'll go try to get them on so with that let's get right into it and aaron Rodgers, as he has been all through the nfl regular season remains one of the top storylines of the nfl offseason as it gets underway and of course monday night Rodgers made the headlines again and then proceeded during his appearance on the Pat McAfee show to downplay all of it when he posted about a 10 or 11, 12 photo post on Instagram about gratitude, uh, thanking people who are close to him, his teammates, his fiance, his coaches, and kind of left people hanging, left people guessing about what the post was all about with the final photo, which was a picture of Randall Cobb and Devontae Adams standing during the National Anthem, where he would typically stand, Aaron Rodgers, between the two of them, 
was an empty space because that's where Aaron Rodgers usually stood. So a lot of people jumped to conclusions at like 2 in the morning on Tuesday that Aaron Rodgers was going to announce his retirement, announce that he wanted out of Green Bay, that something was going on. But in typical Aaron Rodgers fashion, of course, he went on Pat McAfee the next day during his appearance on their podcast and said, no news will be made. And he was just showing gratitude. So fine. But Aaron Rodgers, make no mistake about it, as this offseason begins, is the most coveted quarterback on the open market. He's the most accomplished veteran quarterback in a market that could see multiple players on the move. Whether it's Jimmy Garoppolo out of San Francisco, if the 49ers turn the page to the Trey Lance era, if Russell Wilson finally gets out of Seattle... Whatever happens with Teddy Bridgewater, maybe David Carr gets moved by the Las Vegas Raiders, but there's a pretty good chance that they're going to come to terms on a long-term extension. But nevertheless, if Aaron Rodgers becomes available, there will be a strong market for Aaron Rodgers. And Deanna Rossini from ESPN reported this week that Rodgers plans to inform the Packers of his decision whether he wants to stay or move on within the coming weeks, and that there are as many as five offers on the table for the Green Bay Packers for Aaron Rodgers. And that kind of got me thinking. With free agency right around the corner and teams needing to shed cap space, teams looking to line up their draft boards and all of those things that go into an offseason that is more truncated than ever because of the Super Bowl being so late and later than ever, who are the most logical teams to land Aaron Rodgers? Who has the best chance of winning the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes? And I think there are five teams that makes some logical sense. And I'll just start right out of the shoot with the team that we've been talking about ever since the NFL draft, that their actions this offseason really position themselves to make a run for Aaron Rodgers with a roster that if he's the starting quarterback in September, has a really good chance of playing into next January or February. And that's the Denver Broncos. I don't know why else, if you're the Broncos, so quickly into this offseason, so quickly into the coaching search, that you hire Nathaniel Hackett if you aren't looking to pry Aaron Rodgers away from the Green Bay Packers. Of course, Hackett was the offensive coordinator and quarterback's coach in Green Bay, has a strong relationship with Aaron Rodgers, and more than that, the Broncos have a ready-made defense. There's a lot of talent on that side of the ball, and they have $38 million in cap space to build around Aaron Rodgers if they're able to trade for him, and that's where he wants to wind up playing. If those things are both true and both come to pass... You have to wonder, though, does Aaron Rodgers really want to play in the AFC West? Does he really want to stare across the sidelines twice per season each at Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert? Not to mention, if you're looking to go back to the Super Bowl for a second time in your career, do you really want to go through Mahomes, Herbert, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson every year for however long you're in Denver? That's a pretty daunting road. That would be a pretty Herculean lift even for Aaron Rodgers coming off the MVP. But I think the Broncos make a modicum of sense just because of the head coach, because they have the cap space and the resources to bring Devontae Adams along with him, and because of the defense that's already in place. Another team that makes a little bit of sense is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, Rodgers will be following in Tom Brady's footsteps. Who knows how he feels about that? But Mike Evans is there. Bruce Arians won a Super Bowl two years ago as a head coach, went back to the postseason and won a playoff game this year, and the AFC South is pretty vacant of strong quarterback play. He would be, just as he is in the NFC North, the premier quarterback in that division. A lot of uncertainty about what happens in New Orleans with the Saints. Really, all kinds of uncertainty about what the 
Carolina Panthers are going to do, chances are they're going to move on from Sam Darnold. But here's the other thing about Tampa Bay that I think would be attractive to Aaron Rodgers. There's no state income tax. So whatever he makes, he's going to be taking home a significantly larger portion of that paycheck. And it's probably a little more pleasant from a climate standpoint to live in Tampa, Florida than it is in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Another team back in the AFC, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Would Aaron Rodgers, could Aaron Rodgers go from one heritage franchise to another? I think there's a certain level of prestige of playing for the Rooney family, of playing for the Pittsburgh Steelers, of playing for a franchise that has won multiple Super Bowls, who has sent multiple quarterbacks or are going to into the Hall of Fame. But you can also make a similar argument against the Steelers that you can make against the Denver Broncos. There's just too many quarterbacks in the AFC. The road to the Super Bowl from the AFC side of the bracket is a total gauntlet. When you think about it, are you really going to want to go up against guys like Mahomes and Herbert and Josh Allen if you can avoid it, if you can choose not to? But it might be worth it for Rodgers if you look at the roster in place. You have Deontay Johnson, a top five or so wide receiver in the NFL. You have Chase Claypool, an up-and-coming third-year wide receiver who just catches everything thrown in his direction. Pat Fryermuth, after a really dominant rookie season who has proven to be a legitimate red zone weapon, and Najee Harris in the backfield, that might be the best supporting cast that Aaron Rodgers has played with before you factor in the $28 million in cap space that the Steelers could go and sign Devontae Adams and drop into that supporting cast around Aaron Rodgers. It would easily, in my opinion, be the most dominant offensive set of weapons that Aaron Rodgers has ever had. But does he want to play in a division with Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson? Does he want to go to the AFC and be one of the top quarterbacks, one of the elite quarterbacks in a conference full of elite quarterbacks? Now, obviously, that comes down to Aaron Rodgers and how competitive he is and how confident he feels that he can beat those guys. It just seems to me like going to the AFC makes this much more difficult than it has to be for Rodgers in the twilight of his career. So that's where I look at a team like the Washington Commanders. And I don't know that Rodgers signs up to be part of the Daniel Snyder incompetent circus. I don't know that he attaches his legacy to that franchise and that name. But the roster is sneaky, sneaky good in the nation's capital. Look at Terry McLaurin. He's an elite wide receiver. Antonio Gibson is as versatile a running back as there is in the league. Really dominant catching the ball out of the backfield, which Rodgers has shown, especially in big games and in tight situations, the dump-off passes, the intermediate routes. Those are his bread and butter. Gibson's a playmaker after the catch. So is McLaurin. They also have $32 million in cap space, so they can afford Devontae Adams as well. To me, when you look at these situations, you have to factor in can Adams fit under the cap? Because a lot of what I believe from what I've heard in my conversations with people inside the NFL, and this is really not exactly groundbreaking news, but Aaron Rodgers would prefer to play with Devontae Adams moving forward than without him. But if you look at the Washington Commanders situation, if you drop Aaron Rodgers into that lineup, they're winning 12 games every year and they walk into the playoffs from a pedestrian NFC East. Yeah, you can make a case that playing Dak Prescott in the Cowboys twice a year it would be no picnic, and that's probably right, but the Cowboys are in cap hell. The Cowboys aren't going to be the same team next year that they were this year. There are some very difficult decisions to be made in Dallas that could make the NFC East race even tighter with teams like Philadelphia and Washington nipping at their heels. 
But if you had to twist my arm today on February 25th and ask me where Aaron Rodgers is playing next year, it's the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay is the most likely destination, and staying put with the Packers, to me, it makes the most sense, and it's what's probably going to happen here. Because the executives who I talk to inside the league, a couple of whom are pretty plugged into the Packers situation, and one of them is really close to Brian Gutekunst, they've sworn up and down since about week eight or nine of the regular season that Rodgers is staying put that Green Bay will do everything they need to do to keep Devontae Adams, which by connection would keep Aaron Rodgers happy. They explained to me that Randall Cobb was an olive branch last summer, and they showed Rodgers what they're willing to do in order not only to placate him, but to compete in the NFC. And the road to the Super Bowl in the NFC is a lot more navigable, a lot more manageable than in the AFC. Beyond there, we've seen Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur have a really strong relationship, and it might be strong enough to withstand any of the drama that played out last year between Gutekunst and Aaron Rodgers. And frankly, with Brady retired, Jimmy Garoppolo probably on the move from San Francisco, staying in the NFC is probably the best move for Aaron Rodgers, and I'll take that even a step further. Staying in the NFC North ensures every year for the next two or three years at the very least that Aaron Rodgers and the Packers are going to win 10-11 games, 12-13-14 on a great year, and they're going to be the favorites to be the top seed in the NFC. They just are. Because you look across the landscape, and we've done a lot of this looking across the AFC landscape, not only today, but in prior weeks. If you survey the NFC, if Aaron Rodgers is still in it, he's the best quarterback hands down. And then it comes down to who's the second-tier guy. Is it Dak Prescott? Is it Matthew Stafford again? But the road to the Super Bowl was easier, and the division is arguably the most winnable in the NFL with Aaron Rodgers and with the Packers as they're currently comprised. But if you ask me right now, the five teams that make the most sense for Aaron Rodgers in 2022, it's the Denver Broncos, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Washington Commanders, and most likely where I think he'll wind up playing in September, it's the Green Bay Packers I think he stays put. On the other side, we'll chat with UConn Huskies starting offensive tackle and NFL draft hopeful Brian Vandemark next on the Matt Lombardo Show right here inside Fansided Stack in the Box podcast feed. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back in. And joining us, NFL draft prospect and UConn left tackle, a three-year starter for the UConn Huskies, Ryan Vandemark, you can follow him on Twitter at Ryan underscore Van underscore DeMark. You can check out Ryan on Twitter there. Ryan, how you doing, man? Thanks for taking a few minutes today. Doing well. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Happy to have you here. Happy to have the NFL Combine right around the corner, the NFL Draft screaming down the line quicker than ever. This is going to be one of the fastest NFL offseasons in history, and certainly I'm sure for you, a pretty exciting time. Um, just getting ready for the draft, getting ready for the combine and all of those things, all those steps along the way. What's this experience been like for you so far? I mean, it's been awesome. Uh, I'm taking every day with uh, with each step by step, you know, each minute by minute, just taking it all in. It's been awesome. I, I'm with a great agency. 
uh, with a great agent, David Cantor and Nesta Gravi, you know, they're doing a great, great job for me. And every day through training, just, you know, taking it day by day and step by step and then uh, getting ultimately where I need to be to get drafted. For you growing up and watching the game and maybe through your high school career and even longer, who were one or two guys, one or two offensive tackles that you watched and patterned your game after? And then maybe you incorporated a couple of things from their skill set into what you try to do on Saturdays. Yeah, so I was big like Taylor Luan guy. So I was always growing up watching, like watching the Titans and then ever when he got drafted and I think it was like 2014, uh, just like watching his games and watching what he does. So uh, I've been really trying to take his game and put it into mine, especially in my time at UConn. So uh, stuff like that. I remember I went back and watched the Michigan and UConn game when he was still in college. And I watched it on YouTube and it was pretty cool to see that. And then you wind up at UConn. That's that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. So, you know, I heard a stat today that of the five most recent Super Bowl winners, there have been 25 starting offensive linemen, obviously. Only three of them were drafted in round one. So there's this explosion of offensive tackle talent and teams are finding talent later and later in the draft as a guy who plays the position and you plays it at a pretty high level. Why do you think that is? Cause it used to be the Cowboys had all those first round picks. They had the best offensive line in the league for years and years. What's the biggest key in your opinion to these teams finding talent later and later. And we're talking about high profile Super Bowl winning teams here. Yeah. Uh, offensive line is a, is a difficult position. I, it's probably the most difficult on the field and, you know, it, you need a lot of a lot of talent and development at that position. So finding guys probably in the later, later and later coming up through there, uh, they're probably just developing, you know, learning from the guys who are above them and then and developing into uh, into who they are and making making to these Super Bowl Super Bowl teams. No, who are some of the guys, whether it's coaches, teammates, NFL players who have reached back for, for you? Because obviously developing at that position, it's it's a constant. It's not like you're a wide receiver yeah. and two years later, oh, you reach your peak, you're going to be as good as you're ever going to be. You're going to always improve as a lineman. Who are some of the guys that have kind of helped you along the way to get you to this point? Yeah, so I was lucky enough to go to school with Matt Pert, uh, the third round pick uh, to the Giants. And uh, me and him were really close friends in school. I played three years with him at UConn, uh, just being both tackles. And, you know, he, he gave me all the advice I needed while we were at school. And then him being going through this whole process, you know, he's given me advice to, to better myself through this whole process. You know, we talk almost like once a week. We catch up with each other and we just stay in contact. You What's know, the best piece of advice that he gave you so far? Honestly, the best piece of advice is just keep your head down, keep working, and don't, don't, don't worry about the outside. Control what you can control. And that's just something that like stuck with me, what he said. And it was like, honestly, it's just you just do what you got to do and you'll be good. And everything else will take care of itself. So, so if, you were, I, if you were, if you were writing your own scouting report, right. If you were, you know, putting it together and that's what teams were going to judge you off of, what would the strengths section read? Um, I think they would read uh, that I'm a guy who can finish every block, finish downfield every play, always looking to get that second block at the second level or the third level. Uh, I'm a guy who's never going to quit, who's always going to keep working to achieve his goal and achieve what he wants to do. Um, yeah. And I see you wearing the Shrine Bowl hoodie, which had to be a great yes, experience. It's in Las oh, it Vegas. Awesome. You got yeah. great players. Seems like the talent level of players in the Shrine Bowl just keeps getting better and better every year. What was that experience like for you being in Vegas, being in the Shrine Bowl? What was that like? You know, it, it was awesome. Uh, it was my first time in Vegas, too. So that, it was pretty cool just seeing everything in Vegas. But uh, it was the most fun I've had playing football in, in a long time since I was like a little kid. 
you know, just getting there with all those dudes and then just talking about our schools and our experiences and learning what they went through and what, what uh, being at UConn was like and stuff like that. I, it just bettered me as a football player. It made me realize that uh, this is what it's like and this is what it's going to be like. What do you hope that the coaches and the scouts and the executives that were there, what do you hope that they come away thinking of you as a player? That uh, I'm a smart football player on and off the field, that I know the playbook and I can learn the playbook quickly, and that on the field I know what's going on with defense and I can, I can read defenses pretty well. Correct me if I'm wrong, that's probably the first time that you've had the chance to work with an NFL coaching staff and an NFL offensive line coach, right? So, Yeah, uh, my offensive line coach at UConn, uh, his name was Frank Joffrey. He came from the Colts. So he was an assistant offensive line coach there. So, uh, you know, he was treating us like pros at UConn. So I kind of knew what it was going to be like. And, I mean, that definitely benefited us a lot because everything he taught us at UConn was almost that whole week at the Shrine game. That's what it was like. Oh, that's a great advantage. Not only going into the Shrine game, but kind of what you're going to get a taste of when you get drafted and when you make it into the NFL. What what were kind of your biggest takeaways from that experience that week with a a pro coaching staff and going through – NFL style practices and everything like that. What was that like for you? Uh, it, it was cool. The practices for us were shorter. It was shorter, but more, I want to say focused. It was shorter, but it was more focused on like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to get it done. And then we're going to move on. It was kind of like, we'll do everything on the field and then we'll come back and watch the tape and we'll correct it in the, in the, in the, in the film room rather than on the field. And that's something that was like a big difference for me. You know, it was just like on the field, it's like rapid fire, get your reps and get your reps and let's go and then sit back, relax, and then you have to sit by yourself and watch the tape and correct it yourself. If you have questions, go to the coaches. But it was almost like that. So that that was pretty much like a big difference for me. Nice. And by all accounts, you had a pretty strong week out there. You acquitted yourself really nicely, helped your draft stock. Who were one or two guys that you lined up against that week that you kind of felt like, all right, good. I I, I showed myself out here. I, I played really well. I won this one-on-one battle in practice, or, you know, I was able to get yeah. this pancake block in the game or whatever. Who were one or two guys that you felt so, good about being able to hold your own against out there? So uh, UCF and Auburn's Big Cat Brian, I, I was, uh, I played him during the season, uh, hurt my ankle like the third play of the game. So, you know, he, he probably got the better of me during the game. And then, you know, I just had a chance to go out there during practices and show what I could do against him. I feel like I had a great week playing against him, uh, stopping him in the pass, rushing in the run game. And then uh, during the game, uh, on the West team, there was a West uh, D lineman from Army. And uh, I played him during the season too, but I got a few more reps during the game and uh, ended up getting a good block on him on the screen that we ran for a 65-yard touchdown. Can't beat that. That's going to look great on film. It's going to be great in the memory bank for you, for sure. Yes, sir. It was awesome. I'd love to get your thoughts on UConn a little bit here because they bring in Jim Mora Jr. as head coach, obviously a guy with NFL head coaching experience, NFL coordinator experience. What does he bring to that program? And obviously some stability there, the NFL factor. What's he bringing? What's next for UConn with him as a head coach, do you think? Um, Yeah, I'm I'm super excited for UConn. I I mean, I can't wait to get back there and go on campus and see all the new coaches and say what's up to Coach Mora because uh coach Moore ever since he got hired me and him have had a pretty good uh relationship you know he texts me every now and then make sure I'm doing well and he said he's gonna he's gonna do everything he can to uh make sure you know he 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 tries his best to get me drafted so me and him have a really good relationship and I'm excited to go back out there and see what's going on but just like the social media aspect of the change you can see that this dude's already trying his best to turn around this program there's I see constantly on Twitter Instagram UConn football UConn football more than I ever did before even when I was there 
So uh, him and his media team, they're doing a great job. And I mean, all the players are psyched, you know, they're, I mean, I still keep in contact with almost everybody and they're super excited about this season. So, I mean, I can't wait to see what they can do, uh, do on the field this upcoming season. You get drafted, obviously he's going to be able to look and point Ryan Vandemark and say, look, you know, he went to UConn, he got drafted, he's in the NFL. Can be a great recruiting tool for your alma mater there. Oh yeah, no, it'd be awesome. I mean, uh, that's all I can really ask for, you know? And, and, you know, uh, one of your teammates, Travis Jones, he's a guy who you practiced against every single day. Obviously, your teammates with him. There are some people who think he could be a second round pick and that his stock is just rising and rising and rising. What makes him such a special player? Yeah, I mean, Travis had a good, great an awesome week out of the senior bowl. Yeah, you know, he dominated out there on the field. You know, he's getting all the press. What makes Travis a good player is his strength. Uh, if you ever get the chance to watch Travis in the weight room, it's something incredible. I've never seen some kid throw a four, four or five above his head and over squat that perfectly to the ground, like, like the same way he would squat 135. Like it, it's crazy, his, his strength and power. And then also Travis just being a kid on the football field. I mean, uh, no matter what, you know, he's got to do his job. He's always that kid that shows up early. who's always there focused, doing what he needs to do. And then uh, just, just being himself, you know, he's just a great kid. He's powerful and he knows the game. He loves the game. He knows the game. And uh, first, co- him coming into UConn, he was probably – he was pretty heavy. You know, he was like 380. And seeing him all the way get down to 335 now, 330, is, is incredible. He's changed his entire body just because of his work ethic and drive and what he wants to do at the next level. So, I mean, the sky's the limit for Travis. I can't wait to see where he ends up, and I'm excited to watch him in the NFL. And for you personally, what's one trait about you and your skill set, maybe away from football, something that helped you become a better player on the field? Yeah, uh, something that helped me was just honestly just having that relationship with my coach, Frank Joffrey, you know, uh, him coming from the league and us having that relationship whenever we get the time, you know, uh, not even like a football relationship, you know, just just like we were good. We were good buddies. We were good friends, I'm, like open line of communication with him. And then that it almost allowed me to have uh dive into like the second level of okay what is this defense doing where's the mic what are the safeties lined up at coverages learning coverages with him too so that relationship with him I think just benefited me a lot I I say this almost to to almost everybody I learned more football from coach Frank Joffrey and the first two weeks of having him than I ever learned in football before so I mean just having him as a coach I think really benefited me and put me at a level where where I can do this do you think that knowledge makes you more versatile as a player? Because obviously you've played left tackle and offensive tackle is a premium position, but being in a meeting room with Coach Joffrey every single day and looking at different concepts, do you feel like if you were asked to, that you could play different positions along the line? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I could play guard. I can play center. I'm pretty good on the pass protection. I know where the slide needs to go, where the sword needs to go. Uh, I know usually who the mic is in all, the, all of our plays. Uh, you know, I know the playbook inside and out. Uh, I may not know the receiver routes, but I know I know what the quarterback's reading and his progressions. And I know the RPO game and what happens if we're reading this guy or reading the reading the will or the mic. So uh, I say I'm pretty versatile in that sense. Yeah. You know, and obviously you seem like you have a great football acumen and you're a mauler and all of those things. But, you know, the last one here is if, if, if you know, you weren't doing a podcast interview and I were a general manager or a scouting director, what's your elevator pitch? What's your pitch to get yourself drafted or get yourself moved up a team's draft board? Yeah, I would say uh, I'm going to be one of the hardest workers on the field. I know I know what I want and I'm going to go I'm a go getter and I'm going to go get it. Uh, I'll hopefully be one of the smartest guys you pick, you draft. Uh, I think I'm very smart in the football IQ and off the field. And uh, 
you know, you'll have no problems with me. Whatever you do, I'll say, and I'm, I'm a great listener. He's Ryan Vandemark, three-year starter at UConn, NFL Draft hopeful. You can follow him on Twitter at Ryan underscore Van underscore DeMarc. Ryan, this has been a real treat. Really enjoyed the conversation. Best of luck. Look forward to talking to you yeah. further up the road, my man. Awesome. Thank you. Really enjoyed it. Enjoyed the conversation and the insight there from Brian. He's the type of kid that you want to pull for, you want to root for, and you want to hope that good things happen during the NFL draft. You know, you talk to people around the league, they have him kind of as a day three prospect. I think he might surpass those expectations. If you get him in a room, get him in an interview setting, he dominates the pro day, you never know. And I'll tell you this, I think he's really going to have benefited from lining up every day across the field from his teammate, the defensive tackle, Travis Jones, he's a guy who could go round one or early in round two. And there are scouts around the league who think that because he plays the defensive tackle position, because he's so dominant against the run and can rush the passer, that it's so rare you find those guys that Travis Jones is going to get pushed up the board a little bit. But I think you look at Vandemark, you look at what he did at the, the Shrine game, the East-West Shrine game, you look at what he did on tape, you look at the versatility. Obviously, the football acumen is there. And if he can play guard, tackle, center, he's the type of kid that you draft in round six, round seven, you get him into camp, you see where he fits. I think you'd be a riser up the depth chart as well. So good luck to him. And we'll be watching as the NFL draft approaches in April. On the other side, got some insight for you on some free agents, some potential franchise tag players, and a little bit more on the other side of the Matt Lombardo Show right here inside Fanside at Stacking the Box podcast feed. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest-growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back in. Touch on this real briefly at the top of the pod, but this is going to be the shortest NFL offseason we've ever had. That's just what happens when you have the Super Bowl on February 13th and free agency gets underway on March 16th. The NFL has now kind of succeeded in its mission to have football, and more specifically the NFL, be a 24-7, 365-day-a-year, 12-month ongoing conversation. And that means that news is going to start happening fast and furious, quicker than ever. Of course, next week in Indianapolis during the Combine, that's when deals start to get hammered out. Now, of course, you can't agree on anything, but that's the week where agents are sitting down and meeting with executives, with general managers. They might not be able to talk specifics of a contract or put you know pen to paper, but agreements are starting to be made next week. So you're going to start to see some news trickle out about interest and who's going where and players who might be, you know, moving on and teams that might be aggressive or not aggressive. And this is my chance, as I do almost every week, to promote the column. You can read it every Wednesday on fansided.com. This week, I had the chance to kind of compare the road back to the Super Bowl for the Cincinnati Bengals and the road to the Super Bowl through the AFC for the Los Angeles Chargers. And these are two teams that have a lot of cap space. The Chargers were the second most in the NFL behind only the Miami Dolphins. The Bengals with $35 million to spend. Two of the bright young quarterbacks in the NFL, Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. And they both have significant needs along the offensive line, at cornerback, at linebacker, holes they need to address. And I spoke to an NFC executive who told me point blank, 
he doesn't expect the Chargers to be all that aggressive, even with the cap space, because they need to re-sign their own free agents and because they historically, Tom Telesco, and this is a view that's shared by a couple of executives who I spoke to, Tom Telesco just isn't all that aggressive and isn't all that astute at managing the cap and free agency. They just don't go all in. But similar to the Bengals, both teams, the Chargers and Cincinnati, have drafted really well over the last couple of years, and the belief inside the league is that's going to continue. And if you look at Los Angeles and you look at Cincinnati, it comes down to building their offensive line from the inside out, from center to both tackle spots. And I think both teams would really do themselves a great service if they drafted multiple offensive tackles and went shopping. If I'm the Bengals, I got to be kicking the tires on Orlando Brown if he becomes available. If I'm the Chargers, I got to go shopping for the top offensive tackle and the top offensive guard who hit the open market because you have a very brief window with both Herbert and Burrow on their rookie contracts to make it to the Super Bowl. So I'll be fascinated to see what those two teams do. And a team that's kind of on the opposite end when it comes to resources, they're currently over $20 million over the salary cap. A team that should be close to a Super Bowl, a team that underachieves almost every year, even though they have a dynamite offensive set of weapons, they have one of the top 10 or 15 or so quarterbacks in the NFL, is the Dallas Cowboys. And talking to people around the league, my understanding is the Cowboys have no plans to use the franchise tag on tight end Dalton Schultz, who is one of the premier tight ends in the NFL, one of the more underrated players in the NFL. Last season, Dalton Schultz caught 78 passes for 808 yards and 8 touchdowns. So he's a guy who's going to have a very strong market. And I think you start to look at teams at the top of the cap space wheel, you know, the Bengals should be in the mix there. The Chargers should kick the tires there. The Jets, with Zach Wilson entering his second season, you talk about the quickest path for a young quarterback to reach his potential, the quickest way to jumpstart a rebuild, at least on the offensive side of the ball, is to drop in a dominant tight end. Dalton Schultz would be a terrific fit for the New York Jets. He would really elevate that offense. I'd expect the Jets to be involved there. That would be my expectation. And this is a really crowded tight end market. When you start to think about guys like Evan Ingram and Mike Gesicki and David Njoku, Zach Ertz is also available, but Dalton Schultz is at the top of that list. He's the tight end who's going to have the strongest market. And if I'm the Cincinnati Bengals or if I'm the Los Angeles Chargers, I'd be kicking the tires there because both teams have dynamite wide receivers. Schultz is a guy you can drop in who can block and who also can push for a 1,000 yards and double-digit touchdowns. You put him into those situations, those offenses can really elevate to the next level. Really fun show. As always, thanks to the fan side, it's Cole Thompson. He does a fantastic job each and every week producing this program, getting it off the ground. Cole was instrumental to what we do here. Thanks to Brian Vandemark. Best of luck in the NFL draft. Appreciate him taking a couple minutes. And thanks to you for tuning in. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to Stacking the Box. Leave a five-star review for Stacking the Box, mentioning the Matt Lombardo Show. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Matt Lombardo NFL. Enjoy your week. Combine next week. We're going to break it all down right here on the Matt Lombardo Show. I'll talk to you then. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. 
When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Hero.co. 